You are listening to the Keep Going Podcast, where we keep going after the heart of God because He's our only hope. I'm Nika Maples. Today's episode is kind of a highlight reel. I've been offering daily mini lessons over on Facebook through Facebook Lives. These mini lessons last about 25 minutes, and they are to encourage us all to keep walking in faith and keep our eyes on Jesus. But in case you don't follow me on Facebook at Nika Maples, and if you don't have time to watch the entire lesson each day, I've decided to pull out some nuggets, the mini lesson within the mini lesson, and compile them in podcasts over the next coming weeks. I hope then you'll have time, even if you've heard these lessons on Facebook already, there'll be a little reminder of encouragement along the way that you can listen to when you're out exercising, taking a walk six feet away from everybody else. You can still feel connected through these lessons, because we are all in this together. The first clip I have for you today reminds us why we do not have to fear the enemy. The second clip talks about why sometimes pain can be a good thing. And then the last clip is for anyone who has heard a word of promise from the Lord and has struggled to maintain hope as time has passed. It reminds us that he supplies us with all we need. And sometimes he supplies only us with what we need. Maybe you feel alone in your home right now, but it's even worse to feel alone in walking through a promise. And all of us know what it feels like to walk through a promise without anybody else willing to walk with us. That's what the last clip addresses. And I hope all three encourage you. Take a listen. So there's a snake outside my apartment right now. It's like as big as a pinky. It's not, it's not huge, but it's all coiled up. And when I came in like the main area and saw this snake coiled up in the courtyard, I was frightened instantly until I saw his head had been smashed flat. Somebody had just walked by and smashed his head flat. So yeah, the rest of his body was intimidating to me. I reacted immediately in fear when I saw that coiled up snake, but it was not able to do anything because it had been crushed, just his head. So though his body was still intact and his body was still visible to me and able to intimidate me, he was powerless. That is the position that we are in with Satan. We have the ability to crush his head. And though there will be times when we still feel intimidated by what we see, there's no power there. He can only strike at our heel. It's not a life-threatening blow. And so this pain that we're going through right now, um, with watching people hurt, even the lives lost are not lost eternally if they have believed in Jesus Christ. I was paralyzed You know, there was no movement and no, it wasn't like I had lost feeling, but I had muted feeling almost. If we want to say it's like the volume was turned down on my feeling in in sensations on my legs and my limbs. But as those nerves began to wake up, I mean, it was like 
needles jabbing into my legs. So even though the muscles, I could not move my legs, the nerves would make my legs move. So I'd be laying there motionless on a hospital bed and suddenly my left leg would get some stabbing pain that would be a pinpoint size. My leg would go kicking up to the sky. I mean, really and truly, it was involuntary. There was no way I could have moved those muscles. But I moved because it was like my body was in a reflex um, response to the extreme pain. And once I began, and this still happens today a little bit, I'll have sharp shooting pain in the nerves on the bottoms of my feet, or it's usually somewhere from the waist down. It's not in my arms or, or in my hands. But that shooting pain, I remember saying to my doctor, I, this is at the very beginning, I said, I would rather be numb. I would rather have no feeling in my legs than have this excruciating surge of pain that will come and go and kick my legs up to the sky. And the doctor said, you're wrong. You're wrong. You would not prefer numbness to pain. Nika, pain is good. It's numbness that is dangerous. Because when you're experiencing pain, your nerves, your body is waking up. And that is exactly where we want you to be. I feel like today in the world, we are waking up. Yes, there is pain, but it is part of waking up. It's the numbness that we were in that was dangerous. The busyness, the, the speed that created this almost this not real living. We weren't connected to what we were even doing. Our days went so quickly. Right now, we're having a time to experience exactly what we have asked for. How many times have we asked for more time? How many times have we asked to slow down? I just wish it weren't like this, we would say. I just wish I had more time. I just wish that um, I had more than 24 hours in a day. I'm so tired, I wish I weren't so busy. Well, now we're experiencing exactly what we have asked for, and this waking up is good. This is good. It's the numbness that was bad. When I was living in Thailand at age 25, I promised myself that I would not, not experience culture shock. And I told everybody, I, you know, I'm flexible. I, I'm not going to experience culture shock. Everything's going to be fine. I did experience it about five months in and it fell on me like a weight because all of a sudden there was no, I, I had a sense of being 25 hours away from my home in Texas. I had a sense of everything about my days was different. I had a sense that um, I had no way to communicate the way I normally would. I was in a kind of a remote um, suburb, a, a suburb that was quite far away from Bangkok, the bustling city. And so in that area, 
There were no radio stations that had any English. Not only no English songs, but no English DJs. So when I would listen, I mean, there were, and I had only brought a couple of CDs with me from the United States. I, when I would um, go to bookstores, there were no books in English. I had thought, oh man, this is going to be so awesome. The whole time I'm here, I'm going to read the whole time. But there were no books in English. And I, even making friends, I knew only two girls about my age that could speak English. And it didn't matter that I was being friendly with other Thai people. They couldn't, we couldn't talk to one another. That's when I experienced the culture shock of I am isolated. I'm all alone. So one of, one of the times when I was listening to the radio, I heard all of this Thai language, Thai language, Thai language, George Winston, Thai language. I was like, what, what, did they just say George Winston? I don't know if you guys remember George Winston, but when I was 25, he was like, um, a traveling and touring. He was a, a pianist that, I had his all of his CDs. I loved listening to George Winston play piano. And all I heard on that radio was his name, George Winston. <laughs> and I was like, what, what did they just say about George Winston? I called one of my Thai friends uh, over. I said, we're going to wait by the radio until they talk about George Winston again. I know I heard his name. And she, we finally heard the advertisement again. And he was coming in concert to a university in Bangkok. And it was, you know, 45 minutes away. I said, I don't care what the tickets cost. I'm getting tickets to this, to this concert to hear George Winston play in Thailand <laughs> because it's one connection with the life I had in the United States where I can just feel once again that I, I, I don't have culture shock. I'll just pretend I'm home. Well, so I brought that friend with me. I bought two tickets. Um, and she went with me to this concert to hear George Winston. We were up in the balcony, and it was dark. He came out. I remember he took off his shoes. I think he played the piano in his socks out of respect for the, the Thai culture, took off his shoes. And we sat there and listened, and in the dark, I was bawling, just crying my eyes out because it was, it sounded like home to me. Sure, I had all his CDs, but like it wasn't the same as hearing him speak in English. And it was like, I'm home for just a minute. And then I, on the way home in a taxi, I turned to my friend. I mean, my face was still wet. And I was like, can you believe that concert? She goes, yeah, okay. I was like, what? Were you not totally moved by, by his piano playing? She said, well, I mean, it was okay. And I went, what? what do you mean? Okay. Like it was life giving to me. I drank it up. She said, no, it was just a guy playing the piano. I don't really like that kind of music anyway. It's just a guy playing the piano. I felt <laughs> so misunderstood because that one event was going to get me through the next four or five months until I went home. And to her, it was nothing. It was just, she didn't like that kind of music. So... And what I start off that with that story is because a lot of times the promises and prophecies that are meaningful to you have no resonance with another person. And you could be bawling your face off because of what you have heard the Lord say. And if you share it with a friend, a lot of times they're like, eh, okay, well, that's just a guy with a piano. You're like, what? 
That word meant everything to me from the Lord. Now, look, when you hear something from God, you don't necessarily have to run it by a committee. But that's what we tend to do. I know that I have so many times heard something from God and been like, guess what? And the whole time, I'm not only sh- I'm not sharing something to declare it. I'm sharing it because I want a confirmation or approval. And that is something that will never work. What God says to you is mostly meant just for you. And so what he does when he gives you a promise or a prophecy, when he gives you a word, he will give you the vision, he will give you the um, faith, and he will give you the endurance to see that word to completion. He'll give you the vision for the word he's given you. Haven't you ever been able to just see it, just see what was coming in the future? What, if you would just hold on, you, you could see it, and you turn to a friend took your eyes off the Lord and turned to a friend and said, can't you see it too? And they're like, uh, not so much. That's because God gave the promise to you. And so he supplied you with the vision. They won't have the vision for it. Then he supplies your faith for the promise. Haven't you been like, I believe this. I don't care how hard it is right now. I believe for this promise. We're going to see it to fruition. You take your eyes off Jesus. You turn to a friend and you say, don't you have faith for this? Don't you believe it too? And they're like, "Mm, I mean, I hope, you know, I want to. But I mean, again, God did not give them the fuel for that promise. He gave you the fuel for every word that he's given you. And and thirdly, he gives you the vision for the promise. He gives you the faith for the promise and he gives you the endurance because that's where people fall off is because when you are holding on to something and it's a year, it's two years, it's three, it's four, it's five years, you're going to turn your face and say, I think I'm still chugging along. Are you going with me? And you ask a friend and they go, you know what? I believed that at first, but I mean, now really five years, are you sure? You know, I'm out. And they were not given the endurance for the promise. Listen, you, you have been given the word and God gives you all the fuel you need. He won't give it to all the people around you. So I wanted to hear, I wanted you to hear me say, when you start looking for confirmation, Around you, if you start looking around you for confirmation, it waters down the word and weakens it because you will start stirring in other people's opinions. Oh, well, they all, you know what they said. Well, there were, what they say about it does not count as much as what God says about it. So you're watering down what he said. If you start bringing in other people's thoughts and opinions, other people's, um, the way they read the circumstances, the way they see it, you know, if you bring that in and stir it all together, it will water down and weaken the word. You've got to just keep it pure. This is what God said. I care about you. I'm going to test the spirits. I'm going to uh, align this with the word of God. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to wait and see. However, you start pouring in your opinion, it's going to weaken what God has said to me. Um, the, the point is when it comes to promises and prophecies, you can't carry everyone. 
You can't. And you're not responsible to carry everyone. I was reading in the Old Testament this morning, and um, when I read this that Moses said to God, um, I I really thought it applied here. Um, So Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt, and they start complaining again for the millionth time, complaining this time about not having meat to eat. And this was Moses' prayer. Because it was his conversation. Prayer is a conversation. It's very real. He turns to God and goes, Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep asking me, Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, God, please go ahead and kill me. If I've found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. Okay, did you hear what Moses said? I cannot carry all these people by myself. So a lot of times when God gives you a promise, he says, carry this. All right, I want you to carry it and run to the finish line with this. And we are not only carrying a promise, we're trying to carry a bunch of people with us. Hear Moses, an experienced leader, say, I cannot carry all these people by myself. You were not commissioned to carry everybody with you when God gives you something. And here's what God's reply to Moses was. The Lord said to Moses, Okay, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. And I will come down and speak with you there. And I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And then they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. If you need, especially guys, members of your family to Get on board with a promise that God has given you. Carrying your spouse. Somebody needs to hear this. Carrying your spouse is not your responsibility. Carrying your spouse's burden might be a responsibility because we're called to share one another's burdens. But carrying your spouse's faith is not your responsibility. You know what God will do if you say, if you ask? If you say, God, I cannot carry all these people by myself. You turn to him and say, I need you, God, I can't carry all these people by by myself. He will answer you the way he answered Moses, okay? If I need people to go along with you, I will pour out my spirit on them as well as you so that you will not have to bear this burden alone. You can pray that God will unify you and your spouse or other family members or other friends. I'm single, so this applies to me as well. If I need people to help me carry something, God, I will ask God and he pours out his sustaining spirit. The vision for the promise, the faith for the promise, and the endurance for the promise won't have to come from me. It will come from God who pours it on them so that I don't have to carry it alone. If you were encouraged today from any of these mini lessons from bigger mini lessons, then you might want to hear the whole thing in its entirety. Go follow me on Facebook at Nika Maples and look for these three episodes, pain and perspective, prayer and planting, and then the third one, promises 
and prophecies. God has given you everything that you need for such a time as this. I'll talk to you soon. Until then, keep going. Today's episode of the Keep Going Podcast is brought to you by the Keep Going Journal, a quarterly magazine that focuses on hope and endurance, motivating Christians in the areas of home, health, finance, relationship, and skill. In other words, our kingdom work is encouraging you to do yours. Every issue of the Keep Going Journal is based on a specific color scheme and contains articles written by believers just like you, a worship playlist centered on a specific theme, and my favorite part, a three-month Bible reading plan. If you are ready to join the Keep Going Journal community, go subscribe today at keepgoingshop.com.